Today, if you would travel any of the roads, as you go up the hill, coming into the town, the city of Jerusalem, you would see the the dome, you would see the buildings, and you would know that you are entering into that city. The day that Jesus took part in what we call the triumphal entry, there was no golden dome, yet everyone knew that that ascent into that city was taking place. It was a triumphal entry. It was a city that was seen because it was and still remains on a hill. But Jesus didn't fix his focus on entering the city and the events of the Passion Week just that week before. If you were to take the Gospels and you were to look back in Matthew's Gospel as he stands out over a crowd of thousands in the north of the country of Israel, and he speaks of a city on a hill, he speaks of Jerusalem and he speaks of of shining that light, as he was talking with John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3, John begging that Jesus baptize him, but Jesus stating, no, please baptize me. His focus was on the event, or the events of the Passion Week. This morning I want us to look at this triumphal entry. But I want us to to draw from this triumphal entry not just what takes place, but maybe some of the reason behind the events taking place. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Luke chapter 19. I want to read for us in Luke's Gospel his account of this event. And I want us to see three reflections from this triumphal entry as Jesus starts the Passion Week. Luke records the event this way. Starting in verse 28. And when he had said these things... He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has yet sat. Untie it. And bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, 
the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, on the colt they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the, on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would you, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear down to the ground and tear you down to the ground. And you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you. Because you did not know. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what an event, yes. What a time, what a day to, uh, to see you coming. This visitation that, that you brought about. Fathers, we see this over the next few moments. God, would you show us that... Yes, there was, there was a purpose for this event. And it wasn't just for those surrounding that, that road, that path. God, it was for me. It was for us. Lord, as, as we look at this passage, let us see these reflections. These reflections that, that you saw fit to provide. God, we love you. Thank you for this time of year. Thank you for this event, the, the Passion Week, as, as sons and daughters of yours, as our focus is, is there this week, like no other week of the year. God, would it be clear the price you paid for me? The price you paid for us. 
And God, may it change the way we live this week. I ask it in your son's name. Amen. The first reflection that we see in this, in this passage is pretty straightforward, but but don't just see it as, as an animal. See it this, that God provided, God provides a carrier to escort Jesus through the crowds. He's on the Mount of Olives and he's uh, understanding exactly what is about to happen. He, he knows that he's about to go into this city. And it's going to be different than the other times that he had gone into the city. He, he knows the events of the week. And it is beginning to show itself those understandings and those thoughts. It is beginning to show itself on him. He knows the magnitude of the moment. And as he looks at that ragtag group of guys that he's got around him, he's like, they still aren't getting it. So, Lord, you've got to show them something. And God picks this. He says, go into the village, Jesus does, in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. And the two go. And the two find the colt. It is the provision that God has to escort Jesus through the crowd into the city. And it is just like he said. There's the colt. There it is tied. And he says, hey, if anybody asks you why you're untying it, and they start to untie it, and sure enough, the owner of the colt says, um, why are you stealing my colt? <clears throat> Guys, this is not your Honda. This is mine. Why are you getting in it? Why are, you, why are you taking it? And just like Jesus said, hey, if anybody asks you why you're untying it, say, the Lord has need of it. And so they say, the Lord has need of it. And they bring the colt to him. Time out. Have you ever been in a discussion with a significant other? Possibly. Have you ever been in a discussion with somebody and they play what I call the God card? God said, and fill in whatever blank you want to fill in. How do you argue past that point? If they say, hey, the Lord has need of it. Hey, the Lord told me. Hey, the Lord this, that, or whatever. And that's exactly what these two disciples did. And the argument ends. It ends at my house. I try my best not to play that card. Because you know what goes with that, right? Because if you play that card... And then it doesn't happen the way you say, quote, the Lord said, then uh, you need to go take Exodus out, Leviticus out, and they take you outside the city and they stone you. That doesn't play well in 2018. 
But Jesus told his disciples, hey, disciples, if anybody asks you, just say, hey, God needs it. The Lord needs it. And that's exactly what happened. Do you ever, ever think, um, uh, I wonder how the disciples did it. Hey, um, all right, Peter, you're the loudmouth, so you go up there, and uh, I'm just going to untie it, and you talk. If somebody shows up, you just start talking. Do you, do you think they were, they were shaking as they were untying? I know this is not my colt. I, I know this isn't ours. I'm actually just taking this. And then somebody says, what, what are you doing untying the colt? And the conversation is just as Jesus stated. God provides a carrier to escort Jesus through the crowds. There are no coincidences with God. There are zero coincidences with God. When will you and I understand? When will we, in the midst of the moment, in the the situation that is causing us to doubt, causing us to, to, to start pulling at our wits in to fix the situation. When will, be, when will we remember that God is outside of time? God created time. God sees all of time at the same time. That there is no future with God. There is no past with God. He is in the eternal present. And He does not change. And He has provided this colt to carry Jesus. into Jerusalem. It is a colt that has never been sat on. Miracle number 4,797 of the day. A colt that has never been ridden on. It is a symbol of His first coming as a suffering servant. And He walks. He is carried as this colt walks down the path, through the crowds, hearing the chants over and over and over again. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King. Doesn't say that it kicked. Doesn't say that it bucked. This colt walks. On the screen you'll see a, uh, a different coming. Just be reminded of this, that no matter the coming, the first or the second, there is a carrier provided. In Revelation chapter 19, here's a, another coming. John records it this way. He says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, not a colt, but a horse, and the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are, are many diadems, many crowns, many jewels, many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped 
in blood. The name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth come a sharp sword with with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The first advent, the first of his coming, he comes and he is ushered into that city, Jerusalem, on a colt, symbolizing this suffering servant and what is going to take place at the end of this week. But that is not the only time that he comes. For he will come. It is a certainty. It is not just a possibility. It is a certainty. And at this coming, he will come as a conquering king. God provides a carrier, but not only does he provide a carrier, God provides a choir. This choir is prepared to cry out at Jesus' entry. Do you see that down there in verse 39? And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were silent, if these disciples were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now, part of me, part of me wishes that everybody would have just hushed right then. I I wish that everyone would have just hushed and allowed the stones to do just that, to cry out. I bet those stones would have been on key, unlike me this morning. I bet those stones would have been right rank, filed. They would have been right in step, and they would have been praising, crying out about this king, their king, this creator, their creator, because he is worthy of that. God provides a choir. He has that choir prepared to cry out at Jesus' entry. The crowd was praising Jesus. The disciples were praising Jesus. But just in case they didn't, just in case they, they took a breath and that pause was a little too long, there were rocks ready, prepared to cry out. Look, look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. You think about rocks crying out. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation, here it is, the creation waits. It waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was It was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who who subjected it in hope 
That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth even until now. What's Paul saying? In this passage, he's saying, hey, the creation, all of creation is ready. It's all ready to praise Jesus' name. The trees are ready to shout. The daisies are ready to shout. All of creation is ready. It is just set on go. And if you and I, sons and daughters of His, will not praise Him, if that special creation on day six, as He looks at the end of that creation and says it is very good if we will not praise him all of creation is set ready to go and one day it will it will join in this song why because he's that worthy the rocks will cry out the trees they will sway and sing we will praise this King. David puts it this way in Psalm 19. I read this this week in my quiet time. In Psalm 19, verse 1 down through verse 6, he states, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden in its heat. And he closes it by saying these words. Oh, that is it. Look back at verse 1. Go back up to verse 1. In that verse 1, he says, the heavens declare what? The heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above. It proclaims His handiwork. And he, in verses 4 through 6, he speaks of this Son, a part of this creation, who is saying, hey, here I am. I am the one who has been created, and I am pointing back to my Creator. God has prepared. He provides a choir ready to cry out as Jesus enters. For most of us in this room, you've heard the name Jesus before. For most of us in this room, we have heard somebody stand and speak of this day, of this triumphal entry. For most of us in this room, and for those of us who have heard of this previously. Are you crying out? Are you championing the name? Are you seeing His worth and speaking of that worth? Or are you silent? If you and I are silent, He has prepared 
the rocks and all of creation. If you and I are silent, He has shown His handiwork throughout the stars and the sky. If you and I will not speak, if we will not praise His glorious name, there will be something that would take our place. God provides a carrier to escort Jesus into this city. He provides a choir prepared to cry out of His worth. But this third reflection, as Jesus nears the city, we see that God provides a day of visitation that everyone, every single one of us need to remember. Do you see His words in verse 41 and following? Words of one that is broken hearted because they did not remember His coming. And when He drew near and saw the city, He wept over it. He wept over it saying, Would that you, Jerusalem, even you, would that you have known on this day the things that, that make for peace. But now, now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. You know, that charge didn't end as Jesus wept and got up and entered into the city. That charge and that cry that Jesus had that day as He looked out over Jerusalem continues to ring. Do you know that He has visited? Do you know that He has come? River Bend. The people you come in contact this week. The people at the workplace. People on the job site. The neighbor across the street. Have you spoken of this visitation to them? Jesus weeps over a city. A city that had been told about Him coming. A city that had known these Scriptures. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, known as the Proto-Evangelium. Hey, the child, the seed of yours, woman, the seed of yours, Eve, will stomp on the head of Satan. He will visit and come. Abraham, 
This land I will give to your descendants, your children, and I will bless all the nations through you. David, there will not be a time where your lineage will not be on the throne. Over and over and over again. The other night I was sitting in the uh, men's Bible study and we were talking about uh, Joseph. We were talking about, hey, why wouldn't the children of Israel know that they would be there 400 years and then they would be escorted out? Why wouldn't they know? And it's the same reason that you and I don't act on what we know. You know it, church. You've heard it. I've heard it. I know it. I've read it. But why don't you and I act it, act upon it as we should? Because life gets in the way. Because responsibilities of the moment or of the day might get in the way. Because we think, oh, we've got more time. For 30 years, Jesus walked as a toddler, a boy, a youth, a young man, all knowing that there would be a day that He stands on the Mount of Olives, weeps over the city, is ushered into that city as the Passion Week begins for the events of that week that will be culminated by His death and His burial. Knowing this is why I'm here. God has provided a day of visitation. That day of visitation has come. Jesus has entered into that city, praised on that Sunday. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Cloaks are laid out so that he won't hit the potholes. And by Friday, they are all yelling, crucify him. To be honest, maybe the moment, and I am very understanding of what I'm about to say, not playing the God card, but maybe the moment that you and I live in at this time, It is a time that is changing from Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to that moment of crucify him. And the whole of the crowd changes. Maybe his visitation is close. And if it is, should not that be all the more reason for you and for me to stand up and say, To those around us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the King. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. The one who came on a colt. The one who bled and died. The one who rose from the dead. He is the one who is coming again. 
And I close the same way that Paul stated it in Romans chapter 8. Speaking to those in Rome, he said, you know what? The, The suffering that you and I might endure because we would stand and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord today. The ridicule that you and I might receive from a coworker. Maybe it's a look. Maybe it's some words. But it pales in comparison to the glory that you and I will see forever and ever and ever. As you and I reflect this week, it is a week that is different than any other week. It is a celebration of victory this week. And as you walk through it, there's going to be responsibilities at school. There's going to be responsibilities at the house. There's going to be responsibilities at the, at the job site. But as you and I walk through it, may we reflect knowing that God has provided. He's provided a way that you and I might have eternal life. He has provided in His self, in His Son, He has provided you and me a way that brings life so that your week will be different because of him so that your 70 days 70 years will be different because of him so that your eternity will be different reflect on that this week father you have provided God, you have provided over and over and over again. And Lord, on on one level, as we see those provisions that have happened some 2,000 years ago, Lord, it is easy for me, and I believe it is easy for us, to be lulled into the thought that we might have 2,000 more years, that, that our lives will come to an end still yearning and waiting to see your return, Lord Jesus. But Father, that is not the case necessarily. Father, you may return today. Lord Jesus, you may come before the end of today. May I live that way thinking, believing that it is going to happen today, that will change how I speak. Father, that will change how we live. And Lord, it is possible that we will not see Easter before you come again. God, may we live that way. May we reflect on your first coming as a suffering servant Riding in to the praises and then to hear the term crucify, crucify, and to see you die. Jesus, thank you that you didn't stay dead. God, thank you for raising him from the dead. That we too might have life. Father, I pray that River Bend would live that life to the fullest today. 
God, that every single one of us who call You Father, who You know us as sons and daughters of Yours, that we have bowed the knee and confessed with our mouth that You are our Lord. Father, we'd live different. Knowing that You have paid the price. As we stand and as we sing a time of invitation, time of reflection for you to to think about all that God has done for you. Why don't you praise Him for everything He's done as He brings thoughts to your mind of how He has provided in good times and in bad, in times of need, in times of struggle, struggle, in times of, of great. Why don't you praise Him? We're going to stand and we're going to sing. You have an opportunity to come to the front. If you need to come to the front and pray, come. If you need to come talk with me, come. If you don't know Jesus, please come. Let me introduce Him to you. Father, would you move? God, would you be lifted high? Not just in our words, but Father, in our lives. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You stand and you join us as we sing.